Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. Another installment of the Twitter files was released the day after Christmas. This one focusing on COVID censorship regarding what was considered misinformation. But beyond COVID, we have seen censorship of misinformation throughout social media platforms, which begs the question, what is wrong with open and honest discussions and disagreements? Welcome to another episode of Counterthought. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Maybe you are still off work through the new year, enjoying some time at home with your family, hanging out with your friends. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. But like in the last episode, in this episode, the news never stops, right? We are a country of 335 million people, and the news never stops, especially when it comes to our political news. So yesterday, Elon Musk had another installment of the Twitter files released. This one was released by Zavid Zwig. I'm sure I pronounced that, mispronounced that last name. Uh, David Z-W-E-I-G. You can follow him on Twitter at David Z-W-E-I-G. I think it's pronounced Zwig. Could be completely wrong there. But he released another installment of the Twitter files the day after Christmas, Monday, December 26th. And this is the first uh, installment that has focused on the censorship that occurred on the platform regarding COVID misinformation. Now, misinformation, I'm going to put in air quotes because we know that a lot of things that were considered misinformation, and maybe by some are still considered misinformation, have actually proven to be true. You probably have heard over the last two years what's uh, the difference between the truth and a conspiracy theorist? Six months. So this one focused again on COVID and misinformation and the censorship that was regarded that uh, was occurring on the platform. And in these, I believe it was about 36 different tweets, you know, a 36 tweet thread. It was some of the highlights were that uh, the censorship that was occurring on COVID at the time was focused on anything that ran counter to the federal government narrative and policies from the federal government, specifically the CDC. Also, this did not just occur under the Biden administration. Again, you know, COVID started under Trump, his final year in office. And it went back through the Trump administration and definitely into the Biden administration. You may remember some of the back and forth about or, or between uh, Trump and, and Fauci and Dr. Burks. The CDC, you know, set policies during 2020 and then continued with Dr. Rochelle, Rochelle Walensky into 2021. But this wasn't just like a, hey, a Democrat administration, you know, was asking for censorship and then under a Republican administration, they were not. This goes back to 
federal government spanning both of those administrations. There was requests for censorship throughout Trump's last uh, last year and also through Biden's first two years in 2021 and 2022. Now, I myself released a podcast and I know specifically on YouTube, anytime I had an episode that had to do with COVID and anything, any type of discussion, any of those keywords related to COVID, you know, vaccine, um, vax, misinformation, pandemic, any of those kind of words, got a little flag that popped up on the bottom of my videos like, hey, here, this is related to COVID policies. If you want more information about COVID policies, click this link, yada, yada, yada. So this has been going on for a long time. But one of the revelations from this tweet thread from this Twitter files installment, which I believe we're up to number nine now, I believe this was the ninth one. The censorship focused heavily on doctors and researchers, which we would consider, you know, reputable sources, people within the industry who are knowledgeable about the information they are, they are commenting about, they are, they are tweeting, they are sharing. And we even saw within this Twitter thread, within this installment, that even when the CDC data was referenced in a tweet or a screenshot was shared or a link was shared going back to CDC data or other data that is public information and released by the federal government, those tweets were also being censored, you know, taken down and then the likes were taken down and, you know, as the tweet was suppressed or just completely removed off the platform. And if you had too many strikes against you, then you were completely taken off of Twitter, like for Alex Berenson. Alex Berenson even sued Twitter, uh, settled outside of court. I'm not sure for how much money, but <laughs> I'm thinking it's uh, somewhere in the millions there because he was uh, wrongfully suspended from Twitter for, I believe it was about six months or more. Um, but that's where that's the level that this got to, this censorship. Not only just taking down tweets, deleting them, suppressing them, but also removing people from Twitter, you know, doctors from Stanford, from Harvard, from uh, professors at Harvard, Yale, doctors also at the um, John Hopkins, you know, university and, and just these top tier, top five, top 10 medical schools and hospital systems across the country. These people who were going against what was being communicated to us from the federal government were being suppressed and censored and sometimes suspended from Twitter. And again, this is not just focused on what Twitter did with YouTube, with Facebook, with Instagram. If you posted anything related to COVID, you got a little flag saying that, hey, this is not accurate information, or if you are looking for accurate information, go here. And I understand that, right? From an administrative standpoint, from trying to control the response to the pandemic to from this overprotective, I would say, sense, you want to, as the federal government, you want to control the narrative because it is your responsibility. You feel it is your responsibility to protect the citizens of your country, those living in your country. First pandemic in 100 years. No one had ever been through this before. Not to this scale. So I understand that you want to, you want your message to be heard 
louder and clearer than any other message that is out there. However, what has been, what was um, suspected at the time and then what's been revealed and confirmed since then is that that is not the best way to go about it. If you want your, your narrative, your, your communications, your message to be the one that is believed, you don't go about that by taking other commentary out of the discussion, out of, you know, just normal discourse day to day. You don't, you don't do that. You don't suppress the speech of other individuals. You need to win the communication argument, that battle. You need to make sure that what you are saying and communicating to, in this case, 335 million people within the United States and, you know, influencing others in other countries and leaders throughout the world, your communication has to be better than the person, the others who are being considered misinformation. And one of the ways in which you can do that would be to actually back up what you are saying with credible data. That's one of the, I don't want to say mishaps. That's not the right. That's one of the failures of this whole almost three years now with this pandemic information data is being released now that should have been completed and accessible and released to the public by the end of 2020 and definitely in the early in the mid of 2021 after the after the um, the vaccines or the shots were available information regarding children and how uh, how likely they are to contract COVID and spread COVID. Information about cloth masks, not the N95s, but just those triple layer, triple layer surgical masks. You didn't have the federal government, any of the agencies doing any of the any of this kind of research. If you wanted to find any of this kind of research, you had to go to a different organization, a different research group. And then if you, you know, shared a link to that information or a screenshot, because it didn't come from the federal government, you were it was considered that you were spreading misinformation. So there was this huge failure by the administrative state, by our federal agencies, in actually conducting the experiments that needed to be conducted to back up the claims of the, of the information that was being communicated by the federal government. And this is a massive failure. The NIAID, Dr. Fauci, the CDC, they failed in this effort. Whether that was on purpose or not, I'm not sure. Some would say yes, some would say no. But that is a massive, massive oversight, a massive failure. If you want people to look to you to trust you, you need to have the information and the data for people to trust you. If you're not going to put in the work and win the communication battle, your option is not should not be to quell speech, to censor speech, to shut people down, to take them off of these platforms. That is not that is not how you should go about winning the message, winning the argument. You need to actually do better. You need to do better. You need to get your argument, um, sharpen it, you know, iron sharpens iron, have these discussions, have these debates. And if you lose, then okay. Figure out why you've lost. If you've lost an argument because you don't have the data to back it up, you should probably go out there and gather the data truthfully 
right, inaccurately in order to back up your claims. And when information that was considered misinformation was being gathered and was being shared that actually did back up the claims of, hey, no, we actually don't need to lock down. Hey, we actually don't need to require mandates. Hey, we actually don't need to uh, call on the employers and then go all the way up to the Supreme Court that that is, in fact, um, illegal, unconstitutional, trying to get OSHA, if you remember, they were trying to, the Biden administration tried to have through OSHA, all private companies require vaccine mandates. Now that was considered unconstitutional for private companies, but when it come to, came to the federal government, it was not because it was the federal government and it was also seen that that was, you know, being enforced at federal government agencies and the military still going on today with vaccine mandates. There was something in the going back a couple of weeks in the news last week where um, I believe it's finally coming to an end to where um, members of our military are not going to be required to have any more boosters. But the administration, the Biden administration, remember, tried to have, tried to make it a mandate, a requirement for everyone to be vaccinated, public and private sector. But if they were honest and did the experiments necessary and had the data that was being shared that was labeled misinformation, that was actually accurate information, they would have known. And then now we've learned that, I believe it was Pfizer revealed that they did not do adequate testing before making the claims that the the shot would not spread would not allow you to spread COVID, that once you got the shot, you would not spread or contract COVID. So it's just been a complete failure in gathering this necessary information to back up the claims. And then because they weren't going to be able to back up their claims with data, there was the second greatest failure was the messaging. The messaging was horrendous. It was, oh, you can't do this because of COVID. But you can do this because COVID is not as serious. Oh, Title 42, you can't come into our country, public health, but declaring then that the, that the pandemic is over. You know, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. And like I said, most of what was considered misinformation at the time has been proven true. Again, cloth masks, the death rate under age 55, natural immunity. Still don't think that still don't think that study's been completed here in the United States. You can point to other countries who have done those studies as Sweden was kind of leading the way. But I don't think in the US that we've done any type of natural immunity. Not not only just, hey, what is it? How does it work for COVID, but also how many people might have it? And then the transmission. I just mentioned just mentioned that that the shot does not stop transmission. And then also the denial of myocarditis occurring in men under the age of 30 from getting the shot. There have actually now been studies that have revealed that COVID, certain COVID boosters are now making individuals more susceptible to contracting COVID. There could be potential lawsuits in this coming year into 2023 against these pharmaceutical company, companies, even though they were given immunity, but against these pharmaceutical companies saying, hey, you've made fraudulent claims. You made fraudulent claims that the getting 
you know, your shot, your initial single dose with Johnson and Johnson or the two doses with um, Moderna and Pfizer, that, that that was going to stop transmission and also from getting COVID. But then it's been revealed that they hadn't, didn't actually have the data to, to back up those claims. So that's fraud. Are we going to see lawsuits? The um, Governor DeSantis, the state of Florida, is going to is continuing uh, to move forward in suing these pharmaceutical companies for fraud. Are we going to see that on a federal level? Are we going to have hearings in 2023 with the Republican House, with the um, leaders, the CEOs of these pharmaceutical companies? And then stepping back from just the focus on COVID, what I said in the intro to this episode is that this is not just about COVID misinformation. What the latest installment of the Twitter files revealed, again, that was released on Monday, the day after Christmas, the 26th. This is about, the big picture is about why can we not have discussions and debate? Is it fun always having to defend your position? For me, no. That's not fun. Would I like to be able just to have conversations with individuals and and not get it into maybe like a, a heated argument or disagreement or someone always coming at you with some uh, counter information, you know, a statement, a comment, whatever? That'd be nice, but you know, everyone has a diff has differing opinions, and we need to be able to have these discussions and debates in order to um, benefit society. Now, it's up to you. <laughs> it is up to you after those debates, those discussions, if you want to actually change your, your opinion, your thinking, your stance on something. You may just bury your head in the sand and say like, ah, well, you know, I'm not going to believe them. You know, that's whatever they want to say. I'm just going to continue to move on down the road and keep my own opinions about what I, what I have to, not to myself, but I'm not going to move. I'm going to be going to be obstinate. I'm going to be stubborn. I'm not going to learn or adjust or evolve anything like that. I'm just going to remain unwilling to hear the other side. And when I do, if I do hear the other side, then I'm just going to consider it as inaccurate and wrong. And I'm just going to continue to hold the beliefs and the opinions that I do. Censorship means that you are losing the argument and the communication battle. Debate, disagreement, discussion, actual have, actually having a debate and a discussion to learn from the other side is healthy for our country. Shutting people down, censoring them, taking them platforms away from them that give them the ability to reach millions of people is not how we need to be conducting ourselves as a society and as a country. Yeah, it's not always fun, like I just said, of having a debate and and everything. Maybe you love the debate. That's great. But for most people, a lot of people, they do not enjoy confrontation. They just want to, you know, move along, move forward. They don't want to have always have to defend their opinion. But if you are putting yourself out there, if you are putting your opinion out there, then you should probably probably be willing to defend your opinion when someone comments or, you know, asks you to defend your opinion. That would be healthy for the country. Censorship is not healthy for the country. 
whether it's related to COVID or something else. We need to be able to have in a civil society or in order to have a civil society to be able to have discussions and debate. You might learn something from the person that is in disagreement with you that you never would have learned if you would have just buried your head in the sand and kept uh, trudging forward. There is a benefit to having discussions and debate. I myself with friends on Instagram lives have had debates and it was, it was fun. I mean, I don't always agree, right? That's the purpose of the debate, but it was fun, right? It, it helped me get my thoughts together, get my opinions together, get everything um, solidified. The reason I, the reason I believe what it is, I believe about whatever that topic was. I debated flat earth, right? I had a two hour, <laughs> I had a two hour debate about flat earth and I spent about three, four days preparing for that one. Uh, you know, it was, I'm not an expert on flat earth. So I was, you know, researching, preparing my arguments, trying to um, see into the future, trying to predict what the, what the arguments would be from uh, the person I was debating. And then, you know, getting my responses, my defense against what their statements would be, their arguments would be. And it was a two hour debate. I'm supposed to have a debate with a friend of mine sometime in the future about taxes that would also be an IG live and then probably posted to to rumble or uh, possibly YouTube but that'll be fun I'm gonna debate my friend she's a libertarian and we're gonna have a debate about taxes you know taxation is theft would be is is the libertarian argument the libertarian belief and then me I'm more like eh, taxes are probably necessary but not all of them are necessary so that'll be a fun debate but we need to be able to have these discussions in these these debates. A big debate right now that, that we should be having is the southern border. Unfortunately, debates are still going on when it comes to COVID and children and school and the winter and everything else and whether or not masks should be required at school. Almost three years later than when the pandemic first began. We should be having debates and discussions about fiscal policy for our country. We should be having debates and discussion about voting laws in our country. We should be having debates and discussions about a plethora of topics to resolve the issues that are plaguing our country and also to stand up for what it is that we believe in. Debating, in my opinion, is not always fun, but it is necessary. And that is the takeaway from this latest installment of the Twitter files. The latest installment focused on COVID censorship of misinformation, what was considered misinformation, again, which was later proven to be true in most cases. But the bigger picture is that we, from those this Twitter files, is that we need to be having these debates and discussions would be beneficial for us as individuals, us as groups, us as parties, us as a country. So in 2023, with this being the last episode of 2022, looking ahead to 2023, I'm wondering, can we please have an open floor in 2023? Twitter is, you know, hopeful. A lot of us are hopeful that Twitter is going to be the public forum, the town square that's been said in the news and the commentary for months now since Musk bought it or first put his 
his offer on the table, and then definitely since his acquisition was approved and went through. Can we have a town square? Can we please have the, the debate and the discussion? And if you don't like what someone is saying and you want to comment on what they're saying and come ready, come prepared to defend your position. Don't just shut someone down or advocate for someone being silenced and censored. We need to have these healthy discussions. We need to have debate. Do your own research if someone is making a claim. Be knowledgeable about what it is that you're arguing for and what it is that you're arguing against. And hopefully in 2023, we will actually see discussions occurring in our country that will actually move our country forward and resolve the issues that are currently plaguing this country. Let's progress forward for this nation, not to go flying off the cliff, but to actually pump the brakes and keep us from falling off. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counter CEO or on Facebook at counter thought podcast. <laughs>